welcome, Cardinal fans, to episode 3.0 of the Pitchers Hit 8th podcast. I'm Nick from PitchersHit8th.com, and as always, I brought Josh along for the ride. Happy to be here. Our guest for episode 3.0 is Jack Moore, Milwaukee Brewers fan, uh, runs disciplesofeuchre.com, a Brewers blog. You can also find Jack's journalistic stylings at fangraphs.com and rotohardball.com. We had Jack on before the Brewers series just to talk a little bit about uh, what we could expect from the Brewers as well as their contract situations, uh, both the extension that they gave Ryan Braun as well as the upcoming pending free agency of Prince Fielder. Uh, Josh beat him around the head a little bit about Niger Morgan, and then we opened up the floor to Jack asking us about the Cardinals, and we talked some about Holiday and Berkman and our expectations for those guys, as well as a little uh, a little tangent on to Ryan Terrio and defense, which you want to be sure not to miss. Um, then uh, after the unfortunate weekend, Josh and I put together a little little bit about Yadi Molina and what he's meant to this team, particularly since the Cardinals have had a number of injuries and, and Yadi's place in, in helping to boost the team, along with the number of guys that have been called up from Memphis to fill holes and, and help this team to where they're at. And then we wrapped up with uh, a couple minutes of, of our two cents about the draft which uh, if you make it through this whole episode, you'll find that uh, you may not have to just take our word for it about the draft and what uh, the Cardinals got with their choices. Did I miss anything, Josh? No, 4.0 is right around the corner, and we're excited for our guests and the, the fact that with the summer heating up, hopefully the Cardinals' injury situation will be clearing itself up too. Before we rush you off to episode 4.0, we've got a great 3.0 on the books for you here. Uh, Josh, let's take a break. We'll come back with Jack Moore. And in the meantime, uh, you may have noticed in the opening of the show, and we'll get some for you here in the breaks as well, we have managed to hook up with uh, a musical guest for the show. That is Star Off Machine. Um... We're going to have some links on the website to their stuff, and you can follow them on Twitter as well. All that will be on the website. In the meantime, uh, Josh, let's take a break. Uh, folks, have a listen to Star Off Machine, and we'll be back with Jack Moore. I don't know what anyone else has seen in you to make them think differently.
our guest for episode 3.0 is Jack Moore. Jack is uh, the founder and editor of Disciples of Euchre, a brewer's blog. Uh, he also writes at Fangraphs.com. Jack, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Before I get too deep in, I know that you've got a couple of different writing homes. Uh, am I leaving anything out with Disciples of Euchre and uh, Fangraphs? I also write for Roto Hardball on the SB Nation Network. Roto Hardball, there you go. You can find Jack in all those places. And before I forget, Disciples of Euchre, uh, the, the URL for that is... DisciplesofEuchre.com Real easy. You, yep. before, you before the E. That's correct. <laughs> uh We've got Jack with us to discuss the uh, big series coming up in the NL Central with uh, the Cardinals and the Brewers. Jack, the Brewers are pretty dang hot right now. Yeah, they are. They're playing well pretty much on every side of the ball. Admittedly, uh, I've barely had enough time to keep up with the Cardinals, much less trying to pay close attention to everyone else. We know that the Brewers have long had a, a very strong offensive team. Obviously, they added significant additions on the pitching side this offseason. How are they getting it done of late? It's it's really been all pitching. The offense has been kind of disappointing because Casey McGee is having just the kind of season you'd expect Casey McGee to have three <laughs> years ago. It's been awful. He broke a 0-for-27 slump. He hit a no-hitter by himself. And so he finally broke out of that last night with a hit and a walk, but he's just looked completely wrong just pounding the ball into the ground and it's not going anywhere. But uh, And there's also Uni Betancourt's on the team, which is not <laughs> helping the offense. Enough said. That's not helping anybody. Yeah, so there's that. The pitching, though, has been real well, just perfect. Sean Markham's on fire. Zach Granke's finally getting into the groove. Giovanni Gallardo's pitching like Giovanni Gallardo. And Randy Wolf actually has like an ERA under 2-8 or something in his last five starts. Wow. Which, not that I would bet on him to keep that up, but he's a pretty good for a four-starter, and I, I'll also take Chris Narvison, even though he's struggling a little bit as a five, too. The former, the former Cardinal farmhand. Former Cardinal, former Red Sox. A lot of people <laughs> missed on him. Indeed. Obviously, we can't talk about the Brewers without, uh, just like Albert Pujols with the Cardinals, without the uh, the looming elephant in the room. Prince Fielder's pending free agency. Are the Brewers all in this year, being that he's uh, getting ready to leave? Or, or I know that they've got some additional talent in the pipeline. It, or are there any expectations that they might actually be able to re-sign him? Uh, I, for me, I'm treating it as a foregone conclusion that he's gone next year. Um, they are all in this year in a sense. Like They're not going to make any sort of move with the future in mind. But the thing is, Fielder is the only piece outside of Takashi Saito who's been injured the entire year who's actually going to be a free agent next year. So you're picking up some $20 million of cap space. Cap space. I've been watching too much basketball lately, but you get it. (laughs) And uh, all you have to do is replace a first baseman. I really don't think that's going to be that difficult. I think... I. I don't think they're all in as in this is the only year they can compete. They're bringing back almost all of a really good team. Sure. And Prince's interactions with the defense, I think that's, like, the fact that Prince Fielder is a first baseman, I think has made Ricky Weeks, whoever was playing shortstop, and the third, and Casey McGee look really bad the last two years, hmm. worse than they actually are, which is a theory that 
I think will be tested next year because I don't think there's really any chance Prince is back. That's an interesting theory. You know, it, likewise, we have a theory that uh, with Schumacher and and some of the other folks that have been playing to the right of Albert Pujols that they've actually made his defense worse because he overextends himself trying to get to more balls. So defense, yeah, makes sense. defensive conspiracies abound, I guess, with these two teams. Fair enough, yeah. I mean, the Brewers were supposed to be a horrible defensive team. They've been, like, 23rd or something in defensive efficiency, whereas they have the talent that they should be, like, 30th by a mile. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're even anywhere near the pack kind of tells me something must be going on. I think it's Ron Renneke's shifts. That's my other defensive conspiracy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Josh, I know, had, I think, a doozy lined up for you. Well, I'm ready. I think do- doozy is probably a strong word, but when you're talking about this particular player, you're, I, you know, one of the newest brewers, Niger Morgan, seems to be a guy that uh, here, you know, in the very, very recent baseball past, nobody wanted this guy. What what has got him to turn things around, and, and how's he helped your team, Jack? Yeah, it's hard to say. I can I can totally understand how he could get into a bad situation on a losing team real quick. Oh, he was all right in Pittsburgh for two years. I don't remember anybody really complaining that much about him there. But on the in the winning clubhouse, I guess, he's just thrived because he's got so much energy. And like I don't know if you saw his interview at all last night. It was amazing. He had no idea that he had hit a walk-off. He thought it was the eighth inning and the Brewers are up by two. And he gets to second base and he's mobbed by his teammates. Hmm. So the guy, I mean, the guy plays hard. He's really good in the outfield. And since we're limiting him to only hitting righties, he's really good at that too. So, I mean, when you put a guy that's playing well with a lot of energy with a, with a clubhouse that I think is pretty conducive to high energy guys, you just get, you know, a lot of fun and a lot of wins. Well, Jack, you mentioned that, uh, third base has kind of been I guess more of a problem child it seems like the Cardinals have just decided that they'll just you know put Albert Pujols there every once in a while how come Prince isn't playing over there (laughs) oh that would be bad that would be bad (laughs) or Matt Gamble whatever happened to him uh Matt Gamble the next great thing can yeah I don't know why we thought that in retrospect because his numbers were like the, the prototypical, wow, this guy's really good in the Pacific Coast League, and then you bring it up, and then you realize that's why it's the Pacific Coast League <laughs> and not the major leagues. Because he's, I mean, he's a guy that doesn't have the power we thought he had. I mean, this year he's he looks like he's correcting his strikeouts a little bit, which was a really big thing for him in the past. He was striking out like 30% of the time in the minors, and that's definitely never going to translate. So... But the real problem with Gamble is not his bat. His bat could play at third, even though I don't think he could play at first. He just can't throw the ball. It's the same thing if you watched Ryan Braun at all in 2007 when he played third base. He had like a minus 30 UZR in like two-thirds of a season, and it was completely earned because he can't throw the ball. That's it. I just don't know 
you can't put them there. Uh, Cardinals have their fair share of guys like that too that you try to hide somewhere, but you know keep their bat in the the line. Do you do you expect Milwaukee to uh, try to do something if the current third base situation keeps heading in the direction it is? I I honestly don't know what they could do because they don't have any prospects to trade except for Gamble and maybe Mark Rogers, but I don't think anybody wants him anymore because he is carpal tunnel. So he's done for a while. And the backup is Craig Council or Josh Wilson, and none of those and neither of those guys can hit. It it's kind of a you just really, really have to hope Casey works his way out of it. Well that makes that makes complete sense. Uh, Jack, the last thing I had just uh before throwing it back over to Nick is has the team done anything here recently I'm in the same boat Nick is where you know it's hard enough to keep keep track of uh one major league team and you ride all over the place so you know I'm I'm sure it gets to be tricky at that point too did the did the Brewers change up their rotation anytime in the past couple weeks possibly with the Cardinals series in mind I don't think so the only change they've made was they wanted to split up the lefties Wolf and Narvison so that, but that was mostly made when Granke came back from his injury in early May. So they've been running out the same order where it was it was Markham, then I want to say it was Markham, Gallardo, then Wolf, then no, it was Mark, it's Markham, Granke, Wolf, Granke, Nar, or Wolf, Gallardo, Narvison. The important thing is the lefties are split up. That, that's really the only goal Ron Rennicky had in mind. No man, that's uh, it, it. Like Nick said when we first had you on, <laughs> Milwaukee's firing on all cylinders right now, and and I did, I did see that the, the post game interview, and I almost wondered that didn't really seem like Niger Morgan at all based on uh, what we've seen here in, in in the very recent past with more of the blow up. So, you know, as as a baseball fan, I'm glad to see he's turned it around, but. At the same time, I don't want to see him <laughs> do a, do a whole oh, lot. Oh yeah, I hear that this weekend. So, <laughs> going back to uh, the contract theme, and, and we talked a little bit about Ryan Braun. Obviously, there was a that was a bit of a surprise, at least to me. I, I don't know if if following the Brewers, it was a little bit more on the horizon than expected. But the the extension for I was Ryan pretty shocked. Yeah, right, right. Okay, I thought I thought that it was news to a lot of people um you know obviously they're taking a huge risk on his health and in his continued performance as he does now but I, I recall my first reaction to it being that it seemed like a bit of a sweetheart deal for the brewers to have that cost certainty particularly for a guy who i mean Braun's a bona fide superstar i'm curious to hear your point of view at the beginning of the year, I wasn't so sure he was good enough to warrant $100 million until he's 37, or like $20 million a year until he's 37, especially considering he's already bad at defense now. What's he going to be like <laughs> in 10 years? But the way he's hit this year, where he's walking more often, he's hitting with even more power. He's supposedly added 15 pounds just to his lower half over the offseason, which is Yeesh. insane. And kind of explains how he's hitting 420 foot bonds to the opposite field. Right. And like seeing that now, I'm like, yeah, yeah, we want this guy until 2020. He's got the body that should hold up. I mean, I could, I could see it getting a little iffy towards 2018. 
but really it's 2018. I'm not, I'm not going to really bother myself thinking about that right now. And he's, he's had such a great contract through 2015 already. I was thinking, well, we'll just wait it out, see if he's good at age 31. But if Doug Melvin wants to play the game where he's like, okay, we got this guy that's really good. Maybe we'll get lucky with salary inflation and it'll turn out to be a really good deal. Right. I'm all right with that. Right. And just as you say, who knows what the average left fielder will be making in 2018. Or average first baseman. Well, probably. yeah, right, right. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Braun and his agent approached the club about the extension. Is that correct? I believe so, yeah. And it, and it was under the guise of he's happy, he wants to be certain where he's going to be, and... He apparently really likes it in Milwaukee, which is weird given his personality, which is a very uh, coastal personality, I would, I would put it. Uh, I mean, he's from L.A., and he went to school in Miami, and now he's in Milwaukee. Big fish, small pond syndrome, maybe. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> he, has, he has a restaurant in a town called Lake Geneva, which is like half an hour outside of Milwaukee that nobody's ever heard of. He just has this restaurant there, Ryan Braun's like, Steakhouse or something. I don't know what it's called. Well, I, I will admit I have not been inside, but I have driven past Ryan Braun's uh, tavern and, and grill or whatever it's called. I've, I've seen it. So um, maybe I'll check it out and let you guys know how it was. Yeah, I've heard it was okay. <laughs> Pretty typical. Pretty typical. Yep. Uh, Jack, we've... I'm, no soups grill. It's no soups grill. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Even more hilarious coming from someone who can empathize with Cardinal fans on a Jeff Supon joke. Ah, man. Or, or maybe even more so, being that the Cardinals didn't yeah, pay he, him nearly. He as won much. an NLCS MVP. <laughs> was like actually good for a year. Oh come on, we we've loved soup for multiple years. Yeah, we were, just, we, were, we were happy. You you guys were the team that gave him the that contract. Not, he not was contract. clutch in uh, 2008 August, five and zero. That's what I tell myself about that deal. Always look for the bright spots, right? Yep, exactly. Jack, we've been kind of dominating the conversation here, uh, something that we've done with, with our first few guests and our first few shows, and thanks again for joining us. Anything you want to talk about? Anything on your mind? Uh, well, the Cardinals have their own left fielder with a pretty big contract in Matt Holiday, and I'm, I'm sure there's not a whole lot of regrets about that contract right now. He's been playing pretty well, I'd say. He had been he's been doing well for my fantasy team while he's been in the lineup, but that's the thing. Like he's been missing quite a bit of time this year. It seems like some of it's been a little fluky with like the whole appendectomy thing. And I don't know what it is he has now, but does the fact that he's missing a lot of time like worry you guys at all? That he's gonna be on the team until twenty seventeen, he's gonna be what, thirty six, thirty seven that year too? Um Sorry, Josh. I'll jump in and, and no, if you, by all uh, means, because my my take's probably going to be different than yours. I'm sure. Really, I feel oh, like yeah. we've talked about this. We we've talked, but I've actually the more I've read about it recently, uh, I've kind of changed my stance a little bit. So yeah, I'm I'm curious what you have to say. Okay, well, well, okay. I, I'm taking a more global view of the situation, and and I guess 
to answer your question in a few different parts, Jack, uh, number one, obviously there was a lot of consternation about the contract when it was first signed. It's a huge deal, not only because you know everybody got worked up about the no trade, which to me is a really, really a, a non-starter because he was. By the point that he that I believe he'll start to decline, he'll be ten and five anyways, and it'll be kind of a moot point. So that wasn't a huge deal for me. The dollars were a big deal, both like you said with Braun, is he going to be worth it at the end, as well as what does this mean for re-signing Pujols? Obviously, we don't know the answer to the second question yet, but I think in terms of value for Matt Holiday, it didn't help any when he started out slow last year. By the end of the year, he was his old self. And people were starting to come around that, hey, you know, this guy's a really good hitter. He's a really good ball player. Um, you know, at least average defense in left field. Maybe this contract won't see, won't be so bad. Then we saw Jason Wirth get a huge deal, a monster deal, bigger than Holiday's. That made it look even better. Then Holiday started out real, real super hot, made it look even better. There's not a whole lot of people complaining about Holiday's contracts anymore. I think should Pujols not be re-signed in the offseason, um, it'll resurface a little bit, but there, are, there aren't a whole lot of complaints, at least that I've heard coming from Cardinals fans about Holiday's contract anymore. The appendectomy, I would say, yeah, was fluky. The He's dealing with a strained quad right now, and when it first happened, he kind of he kind of played for a few games with it, then... He was just going to take a few days off, and they, were, they weren't going to put him on the DL. And then he pinch hit, and he ran, and, and then he started one game where he thought he felt fine, but it was clear running the base pass that he wasn't. He was still a little hobbled. So the frustration in St. Louis that I've sensed has been more with the medical staff, uh, especially because that's a uh, seemingly ongoing battle between the, the organization and fans. I'm sure that could be said in of most teams that there's some distrust and, and skepticism that exists with the medical staff. But, you know, it, he's a gamer, too. You know, they get, if the guy says he wants to play, it's hard to tell him not to. Um, should they have just put him on the disabled list right away and let him heal? It's early in the season. Yeah, probably. So I'm not, I'm not sure I'm concerned about his long-term viability. Again, he's he's a gym rat. He's a workout guy. He seems to have a, about as durable body as you're going to find. So I'm sure I'll be proven wrong, and this will turn into one of those lingering things that never is right again. But that's my 37 cents. So I'm curious now to hear what Josh has to say. Well, see, Nick, you won't have to worry about it, because once LaRusse is gone, then everything will get better. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I waited for I you see. to finish, because I knew you'd... <laughs> No, Jack, honestly, the ongoing thing, and, and a lot of it, as Nick said, uh, the medical staff is, is a big thing. But for me, it's always kind of been, you've seen it with with uh, Ryan Ludwig, and there's a laundry list of players that, for whatever reason, uh, I, don't, I don't know if, if, if Tony or whether it's somewhere else down the, the hierarchy that you know we're not privy to, just for whatever reason sides with the player hands down almost a hundred percent of the time, it seems when it comes to dealing with injuries and not necessarily in a good way, but they're cautious 
in the fact that they won't play him, leave him on the bench, but they won't use him, kind of shorthanding the the roster. But at the same time, when they do put him out there, as as Nick pointed out, he's hobbling or he just doesn't he, he doesn't look right. Not quite the same thing with Berkman, but it, it just it's it's almost maddening to see because you almost expect it with the you know with the regime that the Cardinals have had, and it's unfortunately been going on for so long with with Larusa that <laughs> that's just my story. I'm sticking to it that it it will get better, hopefully sometime within the uh, the length of of Holiday's contract, but. I, I guess the, the good news is everybody thought Holiday was rushing back and nobody believed he was going to come back as soon as he did after the appendectomy, but he was completely on fire. And, I, I, you know, I, I guess fortunately or unfortunately for your club, we'll have to wait till a little bit farther into the summer to see just how much Holiday impacts the lineup against the Well, Joshie, Joshie mm-hmm. kind of went back to a point that I was going to make too. It, it's kind of ironic, I think, that, when he did have the appendectomy, everybody thought, oh, my goodness, this is going to be six weeks, right? It, whatever the... I was thinking six, yeah, to eight weeks. four, six, heard. eight weeks. That that yep. was the, the general consensus. And when he came back after 10, everybody's like, here we go again. You know, these doctors are letting him do whatever he wants. This is going to be a total disaster. And he came back and continued to just kill the ball for two weeks or something. Uh or four weeks or whatever it was until this quad thing popped up. So then it's a strained quad, and he says, ah, strained quad, I'll sit for a couple of days, I'll come back quick, it won't be a big deal. And everybody's like, yeah, sure, strained quad, that makes perfect sense. And now it's now yeah. the coin is flipped. Now this is turning into a lingering deal. So, hey, I don't know, you never know. That is I guess what we the do. other thing, if I could ask another question... Lance Berkman is having a ridiculous season. He hasn't hit this well since 2004, I think, is what I saw when I looked it up. Let's be honest. What did you expect out of him? Like You you did not expect this. I would say I expected somewhere between this and last year. I didn't expect him to be as bad as his 2010 was. That's a pretty wide range. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I like the midpoint, maybe intentionally a pretty wide range because I I expected him to be better than 2010, but obviously coming back from the knee surgery and and, and the talk about working himself into shape, I wasn't sure exactly where that was going to land him. I was certain that he couldn't be as bad as 2010 again, um, <laughs> which most often I get proved wrong when I'm that certain. But you know, I don't know. I who knows? Maybe he's got the same doctor as Bart Cologne. Oh, here we go. <laughs> That's good. No, Nick, honestly, I think, too, uh, there were so many people doubting the deal after the Cardinals made it that, to me, the turning point and one of the guys that was the most, not so much negative, but uh, Jack, I don't know how familiar you are with any of the, the beat writers for the Cardinals, but Joe Strauss is a guy that is... Uh, I followed he's him not, on Twitter for a little bit. Yeah, he, he's not a he's not a, a opinionated to a fault, but he always speaks his mind. And he was invited, I guess is the word, by by Berkman to go down there and see what training he was doing and and to take some pictures and to really, you know, not the not that Lance had to prove to anybody but himself, but that you know maybe the last couple of years in Houston and then how things ended up with the Yankees, it was 
maybe the uh, the eye opener that that Berkman needed if he wanted to get that you know one one more big contract. So you know, uh, it, it's beneficial for the Cardinals for sure, but I think it's also beneficial for anybody that that might have doubted that he could still handle the outfield because that's where I've been the most impressed. Yeah, as great as his his bat is, I was <laughs> more worried that how are you going to hide this guy out in the you know out in some of the the outfields that you have to play in in the national league so that's absolutely what i expected too because i went out and i grabbed him in the late rounds of like every single one of my fantasy leagues thinking well he's gonna qualify at outfield there's not that many great hitters in the outfield anymore and that's working out (laughs) and uh a little bit yeah but i was like how are they how are they gonna run out this outfield with matt holiday in left who's good but not great He's okay, but not great, I should say. And then you've got Berkman, who, I mean, he's kind of a large dude. Hasn't played the outfield in a while. I just thought it would be kind of a disaster, but I suppose with Dave Duncan and his staff always getting ground balls, it wasn't going to be that big of a deal in the first place. And then now he can handle I think it. He certainly had a lot of motivation. That hasn't hurt anything. I, I think, you know, as, as internally motivated as some of these guys can be by anyone that doubts them, he certainly had plenty of that. Um, and in terms of the outfield, he's kind of, to me, he's kind of like, uh, I'm admittedly one of the few Cardinal fans that you'll probably find that I don't think it's a great thing, but I, I, I'm at least accepting of Ryan Terrio as a shortstop because they made a clear statement when they picked him up and said he was going to be the starting shortstop. We want this dude to hit. They knew he wasn't going to field, so Terrio makes an error. Duh. We knew he was going to make errors. Mm-hmm. So they put Berkman in right field, and I think the difference is everybody wanted to make jokes about it. He's he's not rangy, obviously. He's not getting to balls, but when he does, he's not embarrassing himself. He's not Aubrey Huff out there. He just doesn't get. He just doesn't get to some balls, and that's again. They knew that going in. We knew everyone. We all knew that going in. He's not going to get to balls, but he's not tripping over himself. How's his arm out yeah. there? Yeah. <laughs> How's Bronze uh, arm in the outfield? Oh my god! He's got to take that twenty-foot crow hop before he throws the ball every time. The runner's already halfway down the baseline by the time he releases the ball and like a sack flies. So, let's just say they knew what they were getting there too. I think the the yep. clubhouse the clubhouse factor honestly is uh, made everything else not a moot point, but they same with same with Terrio and and just like Nick pointed out, it, it's one of those things where you take a you take a a calculated risk with the guy, give him that one year deal and and. I don't think anybody would have expected, like you said, you picked him up in the late rounds fantasy-wise, and I don't think he's disappointing anybody in, in any aspect of the game right now. Well, it's working out for you, I guess. Also, not to put too much weight into this, because I know it's a little light in proof and analysis, but I'm also a big believer in the fact that Jack, I'm sure you can see some of this in Milwaukee too. There's a there is value to a guy in the lineup that you surround him with, in my opinion. Now you put Terrio in a Cubs lineup or, or in a Dodgers lineup where 
he's not surrounded by a Pujols and a Holiday and, and, and guys like that, or or the expectations maybe aren't as high. Not that every team doesn't expect to win, but you put him in a lineup with a guy like Pujols who's super intense, and all of a sudden he's more patient at the plate, at least from my purview. He's he's taking more walks. He's be, He's been, I think, for the Cardinals. Speaking of Terrio now, sorry, I, I kind of switched gears without being clear there. He's been, I think, what they've asked from him at the plate and in the field. You know, again, it's Ryan Terrio at shortstop. So, I mean, what, what do you expect? <laughs> more crackpot theories from the stats guy. Uh, he's probably hitting more often with runners on base. Surely. The Cardinals lineup. Kind of like how Niger Morgan has got to be hitting with runners on base. Way more yeah. hitting behind guys like Weeks and Fielder and Braun. That bad, like, hitter's... I think it's like a 20 or 40 point OPS game from runners on to bases empty or from bases empty to runners the on. The same discussion that ha- that has gone on amongst Cardinals fans and, and beat writers and, and everyone involved is it's easy to get caught up in and, and worked up over the Cardinals having grounded into so many double plays already this year. But the fact of the matter is it's just because they've got a lot of runners on base, that's never a bad thing. For sure. Well, Josh, I think we've taken up enough of Jack's time. We certainly thank Jack for joining us on a bit of short notice, and, and we were able to squeeze it in before the start of the series. So uh, looking forward to it. Should be some great baseball. Maybe maybe see a lot of runs. Maybe see very few runs. You never know with these two teams from night to night. Our guest has been Jack Moore from Disciples of Euchre. That's disciplesofeuchre.com. Also, fan graphs and Roto Hardball. Is that right, Jack? That's correct. All right. Uh, we will let you go, sir, and maybe if maybe we can catch up again later in the season. Hey, it's been awesome. I'd be glad right. to. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Jack. The things you do to me are Your face on the magazine The way you run your hands back through your hair It's so sexy The way you look me right into my eyes Makes me believe Pitching wins baseball and that's what Milwaukee's always had the offense if those you know if their guys got on the same page and played well enough and he brought up a good point there some of their uh other guys if you will council had a good series uh Niger Morgan Kotze they just the peripheral they got guys. yeah they they got parts together and right now the Cardinals aren't healthy at all uh yeah right Right. Losing Craig, I, man, you don't think about it, but Craig was, he wasn't, I mean, nobody's going to be able to fill in for Matt Holiday, but Alan Craig was doing a, you know, his best impression. Yeah, I got to look this up because I, I saw a number on Baseball Reference that uh, kind of shocked me a bit, and I don't always trust this particular number. Mm. at baseball reference so i'm looking on fan graphs to see what the 
Yeah. Holy cow. Fangraphs has Alan Craig worth one and a half wins above replacement right now. Mm-hmm. That's silly. Well, I, okay. I, I think, well, for, I think yeah. from my perspective, I forget how much Craig has played with Holiday being out and Berkman being out. And I, I was just so used to everybody complaining about him not playing earlier in the season that now he's found his way into the lineup a few different ways. Every way. Second base, third base, anywhere you could find a place for him. I, I realize this isn't saying a ton since there have been so many injuries, but he's sitting sixth on the t- on, uh, amongst Cardinal hitters in war right now. Mm-hmm. Berkman, Holiday, Pujols, Rasmus, Molina, Alan Craig. And, and Rasmus, you know, he... Uh... Uh, how much are those numbers influenced by what he's done early in the season? And right, you know, he's struggled a lot lately. John Jay has struggled more so lately than yeah. That was a, I mean, it was, it was huge to lose Holiday, of course, but well, and what's <laughs> silly about that is that Holiday is still by that same measure, and I realize it's not the end all be all, but mm-hmm. for me, it's a it's a quick and dirty way to go and and look and say what is a player really contributing compared to other players on the team, other players at the same position on other teams, etc. It's a real, you know, you could look at batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging, or home. Exactly. Look at all these counting stats, and not every 300 batting average is built alike. And, and, Wins above replacement takes into account a lot of that as well as fielding. And so when I go and look at this list, it's a quick and dirty way for me to compare. And right now, Berkman's leading the team at 2.5. Holiday is still at 2.4, even with all his time missed. And Pujols is finally creeping in at 2.0. Yep. Now, as a point of reference, and I'm, it's no secret if uh, if people read the site, and Josh, you certainly know, I'm an unabashed Colby supporter. I put this into perspective, and and I guess it could be taken a couple different ways. Number one, as much as he's struggled, Pujols and Rasmus are tied right now with 2.0 WAR. Look at it the other way around. Colby Rasmus, as much as he's struggled recently, still tied with Albert Pujols, 2.0 WAR. It's just oh man. It's uh, there are some fascinating things to be learned. I think sometimes just uh, this is this is how I get caught in these foxholes at uh, at FanGraphs <laughs> and Baseball Reference. Next thing I know, it's two in the morning and I've been staring at stats all night. I, I guess what that brings up, yeah, the you know, depending on what what kind of summer Berkman has is going to determine how many millions of dollars he makes. But as far as guys that are officially tied to the Cardinals for at least uh, besides holiday, how important has Yadier Molina been to the team? Oh, big time. You know, defense is one thing, but his offense is just, well, it's, it's, it's like an exchange that I had with Matthew Leach earlier in the season, when Yachty really first went on his hot streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I made the observation on Twitter that I noticed Yachty go into the opposite field a lot, which many of us know uh, is is really when Yachty's dialed in, he's hitting those line drives, those those hard ground balls through the right side when the second baseman vacates to cover on a double play or, or what have you. Um, he's just... Yachty's swing has always been that inside out. He's been very successful with it. Um, Matthew Leach from MLB.com responded to me and says, Yeah, that's true. I'm noticing something else. Line drives. Mm. Duh. Yep. Point, right? Yeah. He's just smoking the ball. He is. He's just hitting the ball on ropes no matter where it is. Um I like to believe that it's a combination of the two. I still think he's, I still think a good sign of, of when Yachty's going really well is, is when he's hitting the ball to the opposite field, but certainly when he's hitting line drives to the opposite field, that uh, that doesn't hurt anything. When you get the rest of the offense back in, to be able to have a guy like that at the lower part of your lineup just makes all the difference. Well, here's a note for you, um, specifically regarding injuries. And... You know me, I, I vary wildly from the eternally and blindly optimistic viewpoint to the might as well pack it in, nothing to be salvaged from this year perspectives. And I'd say I'm not at either right now, and certainly not interested in making excuses for the team, but injuries have played a huge role. I read somewhere yesterday that they used the disabled list for the 12th time already this season. Oh, man. Craig, and last year it was 13 the entire season. Well, and now, you know. <laughs> and Joe Strauss isn't, isn't adding to the fun any either with his comments. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, grain of salt but, and all that yeah exactly but it does it does make you wonder you know luckily with McClellan and Holiday on the mend and, and do back this week mm-hmm. Some you know on Holiday today and how important is that guy to this team oh brother Josh before and counted up before before we got on the line here and obviously these numbers tell us something. It, they don't tell the whole story because the pitching has started to tail off a little bit. They haven't been as good. But I think this it doesn't tell us the whole story. I'm sure there's some fallible data in it. But I, I think we, we can learn enough from the team's record with Matt Holliday, 23-15. and 15. The team's record without Matt Holliday. Now this is him being in the starting lineup. 15 and 14. Wow. Um, it, it's hard. It, you know, we've talked about this, I think, as early as, you know, 2.0 uh, with, with Daniel is... That was just the last episode, Josh. I know. <laughs> about how he was going to be out longer to start the year at least that's what everybody thought mm-hmm. and now i keep 
telling myself and the way I, I bring up how recently that we talked about because it's still in my head is is he going to be how is he right is he ready this time yeah I, you know. I think that's always going to and you never you'll never know if he goes out and is 100% and re-injures the same quad just totally fluke I, sure everybody's going to jump their case oh he wasn't ready he wasn't ready he wasn't 100% but how could you ever know yeah that's uh, <laughs> it's it's based on I know smoke and fire. No, it's not it's not just smoke and fire, Nick. It's more of look at the last couple of years with players in similar situations. Sure. And the veteran always it's gets easy to go there. Yeah, the the veteran always gets the the pull. You know, and really that's especially in a case like Matt Holiday when you're as important to the team you. I guess if the uh, trainers say he's ready and the player says he's ready, what else more can you do? Sure, sure. So now here's where I go towards the rosy outlook, shiny side of the coin perspective. And obviously there are still some warts on this team, particularly of late, that need to be cleaned up. Um, when we recorded our bit with Jack earlier, uh, obviously we did that before the series. Uh, now you and I are talking after the series. We know what the results were. We were a little bit more optimistic when we talked to Jack, obviously. Um, but following that Brewers series and, and a series in which the Cardinals had difficulty generating runs because they've got a lot of big bats out. They've got Holiday out. Craig out, freeze out. Hey, are the Cardinals lucky to be where they're at now? As much as they've struggled with injuries, I I look at the Cardinals a half game behind the Brewers, or depending on what they did today, I, maybe the, I think they might still be playing. Um, yeah, I'm kind of looking at it like, eh, if Holiday's in the lineup, do they take at least one of those games from the Brewers? Yeah, maybe could be argued. Um, have they won some games that they probably shouldn't have? I'd say for sure. So, I think, obviously, I don't know until the rest of the season plays out, but for the time being, I think it's easy to take a glass-half-full kind of perspective on, hey, the Cardinals have done well to be where they're at right now. If they get everybody healthy, get McClellan back, get Holiday back, get Punto back, a guy who I think his versatility is really overlooked sometimes and, and the energy that he had running around the field uh, when he was healthy for that short period of time. Get some guys back healthy like that. Get Freeze back for crying out loud. Think about even more flexibility on the infield for Tony. Um, there's, a, there's still a lot of baseball that can be won by a healthy Cardinal club in my opinion. A healthy Cardinals club, and and I think the other thing we have to just ask realize, Adam Wainwright. Huh, yeah, it you know the the main thing we have to realize here though too is if it wasn't for a few of those injuries, we may not have our current closer, huh? the guy that's kind of put a you know stamp on there just with his calm and coolness. Well, I, certainly I'm not saying that the injuries have, you know, like I say, I think that number one. 
they've really battled hard to be where they're at through the injuries. Number two, I think the injuries have proven to the management, the coaching staff, the players, and, and the players who are getting the opportunities themselves, hey, this team does have some depth. There are some guys who can play ball uh, Oh yeah. club that maybe they weren't so sure about before. Like you say in the bullpen, I mean, sorry, bad news for Brian Augustine. You're not going to sniff St. Louis again unless somebody else gets hurt. Yeah, which to be fair, though, too, Salas was the, always going to be the first guy. Oh, no doubt. And that was given. should have been out of camp. Yeah, at Sanchez, that's a different story. You know, he's he's not a guy that I I would have ever expected to really see in the eighth or ninth inning this year. No, but then again, you know, there's a number of things that had to happen just for him to even get a shot. And so, you know, uh, I I do think I do had to sticker a little bit when you mentioned how important it is that Kyle McCullen comes back, and that, and that to me that's. When when you look at Westbrook and you look at Carpenter and and you know talking to a few people that it's it's amazing that Carpenter is still sitting on one win and it's middle of uh, June and and yeah you know, there's a number of different factors for that but how important is it that we're looking at Kyle McCullough coming back looking for a spark saying you know that that was to me anyway, the last possible. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. 2011 was not supposed to be the year of that Kyle McCullen entered the starting rotation, but that's just kind of the way things go. Right. Right. And I think if you'd ask him, he, he'd probably say that he, maybe the ship had sailed on that for him, that he oh, yeah. will not yeah. for that anymore. And now all of a sudden here we are. Um, I, real quickly, just to to get uh, his cup of coffee, I think Lance Lynn did a fabulous job um, in his two starts for the Cardinals. He had some rough luck in, in one and, and got the win in the second. And uh, I'm looking forward to him getting back with the club full time. I'm sure we'll see him in September, if not sooner. Well... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic about that, but the other thing that the elephant in the room is... Mitchell Boggs, comma, starter? Mitchell Boggs, comma, starter, and also how about Lance Lynn, comma, trade bait? Well, sure, that's always that's always on the... Uh... It, it was before, but when a guy's able to come up like that and, and put together a couple starts... No doubt. You know, there's plenty of... Uh, teams that are looking for cost controlled young pitchers so innings. yeah for sure for sure that's a great point and he would have pitched more in that last game if they wouldn't have taken him out with the bases loaded for a pinch hitter which i was actually very happy to see i was one of the i, I was probably one of the few that didn't have any issue with that <laughs> that's not something you probably would have seen even from a rookie starter tony he He's he's managing differently this year. Yeah. And I'm happy to see it. I am very happy to see yep. it. Yep. And and as we've discussed, I, I think sometimes it gets a little overplayed, but I, I think there is some value in what's going on in that clubhouse in terms of just camaraderie, chemistry. 
I don't think it means the difference of 10 wins. I still got to hit and pitch. Mm-hmm. But it's clear that this team enjoys going out on a daily basis and playing ball more than last year's club did. Easily. You can see that. I mean, just uh, even not even the exuberance of Pujols with his walk-offs and oh, looking like a kid out there. It's it's you know the the Berkman smiles and it's the mm-hmm. the team just you know and it's even look at the announcers they're they're even kind of half joking of course about Descalzo talking about ah well it was too early in the game for him to get a big <laughs> hit you gotta, you gotta well, wait till the seventh inning or later as is the case with everything it's it's much easier on everyone when the club's winning right exactly exactly um. What else? Well, maybe, there's uh, that little maybe, that little draft thing happened last week. Yeah. So, the draft. Uh, I gotta tell you, um, I saw names that I knew were important. Uh, I saw that the Cardinals took Colton Wong. I saw that they took Casey Rasmus. Hmm. Um. Gosh, you know, save for that, it, it was kind of a crazy week for me, uh, non-baseball-wise, and and so I'm I'm let's let's put it this way, I'm eager to learn a lot more about the draft and specifically the Cardinals uh, draft next week. Tease. <laughs> yes, and uh, I'm cautiously optimistic now that. It already appears they've got quite a few signed. Twenty-seven is the last reported number that I have. I saw that. And was Wong one and, of those? Uh, Wong was not one yet, but it does look like both sides are eager to get a deal done. Right. All indications that I saw the night of or, or the day after they chose him were that they placed. They were on the phone with him during the draft and. and mm-hmm probably already exchanging numbers so I'll take that as a and not to not to belittle anyone or anything but it didn't sound like he was really the type who was going to play hardball no he wants to play ball period or nor had the uh, the wherewithal to really play hardball I mean college guy I guess he could go back for his senior year but think he's interested to uh, to start playing ball and and in that along those same lines uh, is a guy who we expect or, or we've been told to expect could similarly to Zach Cox and some others in the organization move through the ranks pretty quickly I I actually fully expect him to to be placed right on the quad cities roster i don't know if that's going to be part of the uh decision when the when the both sides are talking but as advanced a hitter as all reports are in the the cape cod league the good numbers that he put up there and the fact that he is like you said he you know even even the naysayers are saying well his best tool is his bat and well, that's always going to help you rise through the ranks well, that, of minors. That fits the description of Cardinal second baseman quite well, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, well, 
the the fact that Skip Schumacher and Alan Craig have been holding down second base for a good part of the the year to get their bats in the lineup. Yeah, I I would definitely think that that it was kind of an I won't say it's a no brainer. There's no such thing as a no brainer in the draft. You never know what's going to happen until the the teams in front of you pick. But the more I saw Wong attached to the Cardinals, that I'm just cautiously optimistic. They took a little different approach this year, and I'm actually glad that they didn't. They didn't, you know, go what I what I prefer to call the the more seasoned route that uh, they take a lot of guys that may have shown flashes of power, but you don't know how that's going to turn out, and they went with a lot of. Well, it was seemingly back to the early days of the Luno drafts a bit in that they project him as a safer guy. Yeah. I think is how I would put it. Certainly not the ceiling of a Shelby Miller. No. Um, or some of the other uh, some of the other guys who are even available at their at their pick. Uh, but definitely a guy that they project as a, a a more solid gamble, I guess. Yeah, and that was the word I was looking for. Is pro- you know, the draft is. They're looking for projectables. You know, I mean, you don't normally draft guys uh, that it seemed like two or three or three or four of them are all kind of the same um, mode, but going for some speed, going for some guys that have some athleticism, I think is the the perfect thing to do when you're looking to to mix and match some parts for some guys that can possibly take off when you're looking at having a couple of guys tied up with some big money for some long years and other important parts are, you know, right, right behind them. Right, absolutely. Well, with those two cents of ours provided on draft discussion and really not telling you anything you didn't already know. I think that's a great segue, Josh, into uh, closing up this episode, episode 3.0, and uh, and hopefully enticing folks to come back and listen to episode 4.0. We're really excited about the episode 4.0 guest. We will have Kevin Goldstein from BaseballProspectus.com. Uh, draft expert who will enlighten us about how wrong we are about everything we just told you. Or maybe not. <laughs> but that least, is an awesome guest. At the very least, uh, Kevin will be on to talk about Cardinals draft, Cardinals minor leaguers, and uh, who knows, maybe uh, maybe a couple other random items i'm sure uh, i'm sure he might have something interesting to talk about when we give him the floor uh so for josh i am nick you've been listening to pitchers hit eight podcast episode 3.0 uh thanks also to our new musical guest star off machine you can find them uh well, let's where do we want to point him to josh facebook facebook.com slash star off machine all one word uh you can also follow them on twitter uh, they are stoffma s-t-o-f-m-a hopefully you've enjoyed uh, their musical stylings and we'll continue to for our next few episodes 
You can also find them on iTunes as well as this podcast. iTunes. Excellent. Josh, episode 3.0 is in the books. Well, Nick, uh, if, if there's any uh, thing to look forward to for next week is there's always more Cardinals ball to talk. Indeed. Look for episode 4.0 uh, sometime soon. Thanks for listening. Later, guys.